Listeners, we want to tell you about a Reformed Baptist publishing company, Free Grace Press. Free Grace Press is firmly committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and biblical truth as expressed by the historic Reformed confessions, such as the 1689 London Baptist Confession. They seek to propagate books and tracts that are spiritually inspirational, doctrinally educational, and practically helpful for the Church of God. We want to encourage you to support this ministry by purchasing their products. So you can learn more about them at freegracepress.com. Again, that is Free Grace Press. Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here with my co-host, Jimmy Johnson, and I'm going to be uh, interviewing him on his discipleship curriculum through the 1689 Confessing Sound Words. So welcome to the Covenant Podcast. It is good to be here as usual. Jimmy, let's just get this conversation started by talking about your discipleship curriculum. So can you tell our listeners about this project that you've been working on? Well, it's... As you said, it's going to be a discipleship curriculum, or it could also be used for a Sunday school class or something of that nature. But because it's based on the 1689, it's fairly comprehensive, and it's not something that you're going to be able to take people through in 13 weeks. But the structure of it, um, as I have it currently, is each chapter is broken into four parts. And and that's the general structure. Not every chapter is exactly like that. Some chapters have three parts, but most of them have four parts. In part one, I, I give a modernized um, version of the catechism as it corresponds to the chapter in the 1689 Confession. And then part two is a Bible study or an inductive Bible study on a, a key text that pertains to the topic being discussed. Part four gives one, two, maybe even three memory verses um, that also correspond to that theme and, and that topic in the confession. And then part four is actually the confession of faith itself. I, I do not modernize it a whole lot um, other than changing like hath and all the its and thys and stuff like that. Other than those, it, it remains the same. And I footnote difficult words or concepts, especially if they reoccur throughout the confession of faith um, to help those that are teaching, but also those that are learning um, just to, to read and understand what it was that the early Baptists were saying. And so each one of those parts doesn't only have what I said. It doesn't only have the catechism question. It also has discussion questions. The same would go for the Bible study. It will actually walk them through a series of questions, and the same is true of the memory verses and the confession of faith. It, it mainly, as a tool, is to facilitate discussion. It is not an exposition of any of those things that I mentioned. I, I did not write a whole lot other than just questions. It's meant to spur on conversation and be used in a dialogical type of 
format, either one-on-one, two-on-one, two-on-one, or even maybe a small class. It might be difficult just because of the nature of the content, depending on how much time you have. But in a nutshell, that's what it is. So um, how long have you been working on this curriculum and when do you hope to have it finished and perhaps into the hands of people that would like to use it? Well, I started working on it or I signed with H&E Publishing. That's a said in a Met Publishing, a Canadian publisher, a great publisher. They have many resources. I, I definitely recommend anyone to check out the resources that they have. But I signed on August 18th, um, which is just a few days before my second child was born. So I, I probably did not pick the best time to, to start writing, but that was around the time I started. And the first chapters were, were knocked out while I was at the hospital waiting for my baby to be born. Um, but as for when I'll be finished, I mean, if all things go according to plan, I'll have the first draft done in about two or three weeks. Um, and I'll edit it then, and then I'll send it off to H&E, and I'm sure they're going to have proofs for me. So as for the final end date, I, I can't say when it will actually be released. That'll depend on the publisher um, and how much they they want me to change within the curriculum, but hopefully sometime this year, um, and if not early early next year. So it'll be coming around the corner. But I mean, as I said before, the the confession of faith is a a comprehensive summary of what the Bible teaches. So a curriculum um, that uses it and utilizes it is going to not be like a a thirteen week life way study. So it takes. It takes some time to actually produce. Right now, I'm on chap. I'm in the 20s, chapter 22. I just finished it. I'm beginning chapter 23, and I'm already at 230 pages. So I mean, it's not going to be a short, short curriculum. So, but I I don't believe disciples are. You can make them on an assembly line. It takes time. It takes conversation. These truths are difficult. So I don't know exactly when it'll be done, but I'll be done with the first draft real soon. And then Lord willing, it'll, it'll be out shortly, shortly after that. Hopefully I won't have many edits. Correct me if I'm mistaken, but uh, if I'm correct, you've been using this curriculum to work through uh, some discipleship opportunities with people in your church. Is that correct? Yeah, I uh, actually started out just using it for for my church because I didn't want to send it off to a publisher if it wasn't good and it didn't even work in my own church. I didn't didn't really think that it would be be of use. I want it to be something that is useful um, and edifying and encouraging to those who participate in it, but and also challenging um, to those that that study it, especially if they haven't studied the confession or something like that before. But yeah, I'm taking two guys through my church currently. And I actually started that slightly before I sent it off to the publisher. And and the way those meetings went, um, that kind of pushed me into sending it to H&E and see if they would be be willing to publish it when it's done. And, And Lord willing, they they will. I mean, if it, if it's good enough after I send it in, they they will. They liked the first few chapters, and and so 
yeah, I've been taking a couple of guys through it and it's really been good for them as well as good for me. We've had many good discussions and even I've even been able to notice in other settings like Sunday school when when they talk about doctrine or the Bible, they they do seem to have a better grasp on what it is that they're talking about and have a better um, approach to the scriptures and, and how to interpret them, but also just when talking about God, because we haven't gotten very far in it. So, I mean, where we've gotten, I mean, one, I'm still in the doctrine of God. We're going very slow. The other one, I believe we just finished the doctrine of the divine decree. So we are just moving along one part at a time. And, and that provides us with plenty of time to discuss. And, and with that, though, I mean, some people might be concerned. That means that you're talking about the same concept potentially over the course of four weeks. Um, but I've found that fruitful because especially when talking about deeper issues, it gives you more amount or a more adequate amount of time really to delve deep and think through those things and seek to to show how they apply in life. And I mean, especially in the earlier chapters when talking about the doctrine of God, um, the application is is pretty much just behold your God and worship him as as he has revealed himself in his word. So as you have been um, building this curriculum and putting questions together, what resources have you been using? What has been helpful for you in your personal study of the confession and uh, just the formation of confessing sound words? So I've used several different resources to do it. I mean, the confession of faith that I, I got permission to use, the addition of the confession of faith that I got permission to use is is the one published by Solid Ground Publishers, and, and that's a, a good little copy of the confession that has the, the preface as well as the appendix on baptism and then the Baptist catechism. So that, that was the starting point, but I also have used Sam Waldron's Modern Exposition of the 1689 on, on some things. I've used a, a book titled Confessing the Faith, which is by if, if I mispronounce his name, I, I pray that those that know it or, or he forgives me, Van Dixhorn. Um, so Chad Van Dixhorn. Um, and it's actually a confession or it's a exposition of the Westminster Confession of Faith. James Renahan also published a, a book called True Confessions that has the Savoy, the 1689 and the Westminster, as well as the First Baptist Confession of Faith, set up side by side to see where they're, they're differ and, and where they differ and where they're similar. Another book by James Renahan, I've used several of James Renahan's resources, is a toolkit for confessions. I recommend that to everyone, um, just just as a solid tool to have in, in your tool chest. And it, it really does help you kind of get at the root of what the confession means. Um, I've been using a scriptural exposition of the Baptist Catechism by Benjamin Bedemy. So uh, a Baptist who had actually given a scriptural exposition, I use it. I also use Thomas Watson's, I believe it's called A Body of Divinity, um, or something something to that 
to that nature, whatever that book is called, by Thomas Watson, which is his exposition of the Shorter Catechism. John Flavel also has one. Thomas Ridgely has a exposition, I believe, of the Larger Catechism. So I've been using that. Matthew Poole's commentary. So if you notice something, a lot of the guys that I'm using are, are kind of contemporaries of the Westminster Confession and, and thus after that contemporaries of the 1689 Confession. Um, so I've those are the main resources. I, I will mention a, a few more. Edification and Beauty by, by James Renahan was, has been useful and practical. And then I'm trying to remember something. I can't remember what it's titled, but it's like Baptist Life or something like that. And it's another edited volume by James Renahan. And it gives a summary of the the minutes or, or the events that took place at the London Baptist Assembly, as well as some of the other assemblies that took place after that. And that's just an interesting read. Um, it's out of that, that the confession was not necessarily produced. It was produced prior to that, but that's where they subscribe to it as an assembly. But it's also out of that, that you have the production of what is the Baptist catechism that is decided there, as well as you have a Baptist minister's fund set up and, and just a lot of interesting thing happen in that, that time period for Baptist. So that's, that's been a useful resource too. So that's kind of a shotgun approach to the resources I've used. I'm sure I've pulled from others, but those are the main ones that I've been referring to on a regular basis. Hmm. So whenever I was preparing these questions for you, I was not aware of uh, the title of your work and you've told me it's Confessing Sound Words. So my original question was, do you have any ideas on your title yet? Obviously, the answer to that is yes. What, why confessing sound words? What's the idea behind that? What's the uh, title mean? Yeah, I mean, in in the preface of the confession of faith, they allude to this idea of sound words, a form of sound words, which I believe actually comes from from scripture, from one of the Timothys. I can't recall which reference it is exactly off the top of my head. You can let me know after I'm done answering, Austin, if you you recall what it is. But essentially, I, I was piggybacking off of that. And then also the idea of it's it's a confession of faith. So that form of sound words, um, I the concept there is that the confession of faith is a a system of doctrine that is sound and and in accord with what holy scripture teaches and structured in a logical form and and written in a summary form so that those that read it will have an accurate and 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 readable as well as a exhaustive um summary of bible doctrine and and per- particularly, no pun intended, from a Baptist perspective um, when it comes to the confession that that I'm using in the curriculum itself. And then the reason I went with that title is um, in order to sign the contract, I had to have a title. So that that was the most clever thing I could come up with in that moment. If, if I'm being totally candid and honest, um, it, I sent 
I believe I might have texted you even, Austin, about <laughs> suggestions for a title because I had no idea what I was going to call it. Um, and I, I texted a few other brothers and, and then I, I came up with that one. I think you said something similar to it, but I, I molded it a little bit differently and made it, made it my own. And, and that's what it is for now. But that is subject to change. If someone has a better idea for a title, I am open to suggestions. But I, I like that one for now just because it kind of communicates the goal. I mean, those that go through it, the, the goal would be that they would confess and believe from the heart sound words as, as they are articulated in the confession of faith. Well, you, you kind of are getting ahead of me. My next question was, what are your end goals for the publication of this curriculum? You kind of gave just an answer, but do you care to uh, expound upon it for well, our listeners? One, one of the first goals for me personally, it, it comes from why I started producing it in the first place, and that is for my my own local church and those who are members of it and, and who gather with the saints and who I have the privilege of shepherding. And, and being their pastor. And it's for them that they might grow in the knowledge of the truth and the knowledge of the God of the Bible, as well as how to interpret scripture, what scripture is, what it teaches about God, the church, and, and also form a, a solid Baptist identity, um, retrieving that theological tradition that we, we come from. And, and I want them to have that, that privilege that I myself have had of studying those things, thinking through those things. And, and since I believe they're not only traditional, um, but they're actually biblical, I, I hope that they would confess them. And, and those men that I have been taking through it by, by God's grace, they've, they've seen where, where these things are at in the Bible and, and they confess them from the heart and they grow in the knowledge of God. And it is always an exciting thing to see a believer talk about the deep truths of God's word, to, to spend an hour or more with your pastor and simply talk about God um, is not a normal thing that that happens in in our day and age and i i believe in many churches it's not a normal thing but i mean i've had the privilege of doing that every week um of talking about god what he's doing in their life talking about doctrines that that they may have never heard of before and and discussing them at length so my main goal i'm kind of rambling about it but my main goal is that it would bless the church and equip the saints of the church that that i am currently serving um, some other goals, I mean, with it being published, I hope it's of use to other pastors, whether it be in reforming a church, like I'm, I'm trying to be, bring biblical reformation to the church that I now serve. And there are many others that I know that are in similar situations. I, I believe it could be a useful tool to do that because it's not force feeding people. It's making them think through things. It's not just a lot of reading. It's making them answer questions and deal with biblical text, as well as deal with what the confession says outright rather than assuming what it says because of some preconceived notion of what Calvinism might be or, or some other thing might be. They actually have to deal with it um, rather than just brush by it or say that so-and-so didn't believe it, so I'm not going to. They, they have to think through it themselves. So one of my hopes is that it could help other guys like me that are, that are seeking to bring reformation. And then another goal would be that it would be of use to established confessing 1689 churches. Um, I, I have never had the privilege of, of being a part 
of, well, actually, I take that back. I, I was at a church that did use the Philadelphia Confession of Faith, which which is very similar. But most of the churches I've been a part of have not been thoroughgoingly confessional. And and I've never had the privilege to see what that's, that's like in any long-term capacity. But I, I still imagine that there are people that join the church that— that are real, devout believers that love the Lord, that love the Bible, believe the Bible, believe the doctrines of grace even, and, and even at a cursory level, they, they agree with what the confession says, but they may not have an in-depth um, knowledge of what it says. And, and so I think it could also be of use to those 1689 confessing churches at getting their people really, really ingrained into what the confession has and really developing a church culture of, of a, a Baptist confessional theology that, that permeates not only the pastor's thought and preaching, but also just the minds and hearts and lives of the people in the church. So those would be, I mean, they're all kind of related, but I, I guess we could call those three goals if, if you would like, but those would be the main ones. And so, um, why? Why the 1689? Why the Baptist Catechism? Why not another confession of faith? Why do you want people to know and utilize the theology from the 1689? Well, and and this is not to, to, to upset anyone who, who disagrees with me. Any of the Reformed brothers who, who confess the Westminster Confession of Faith, or rather the updated Americanized version one, because that's that's what most of them use um, currently, um, that doesn't make it bad. I, I still think it's a very, very good confession, and I have some Presbyterian brothers who are dear, dear friends, and I've had some that have mentored me and really, really helped me grow in my knowledge of God and His Word. That said, I, I believe, as I've said on on other podcasts, as, as well as other people pot or recording with us, I've said that the 1689 is the best. Um, I, I honestly believe that it is the most faithful exposition of the doctrines of the Bible um, in a, a coherent as well as an exhaustive form and summary form. It, it, it is the best. So that's, that's why I do it. And I mean, obviously, I'm not a paedo-baptist, so it wouldn't make much sense for me to use any of the, the paedo-baptist um, documents other than to use them as study material and to read those that did subscribe to them because where the confessions agree, then then I believe there is much profit to be done there. And, and where they don't, even reading them on those things, I think is of profit. Um, you, you need to think through the positions and think through the objections before you just accept them blindly. Whether you be a Baptist or a Pado baptist I suppose I could have used the Orthodox Catechism um, for the Catechism section, um, but the order of that Catechism, as well as the nature of it, it it's much longer in its answers. So I, I think it would be much more difficult to expect people to even somewhat memorize it in in a week's time um and and then the order is also just vastly different than what the 1689 confession is the baptist catechism at least has a similar order um once you get if you get this curriculum you'll notice that the order is not identical so sometimes questions are are out of order um i i give the original numeration to them regardless of where they're located in the curriculum but and and there's some things in the catechism that that aren't discussed at length in the 
the confession of faith and and the same is is vice versa so there are some chapters as as you'll notice that have only three parts and and those three parts would be the bible study the scripture memory and the confession when there is no catechism question i i don't just make one up i suppose if i were creative i could but there's a reason why i'm using a a historical document to take people through i i believe they've said something better than i could say myself so i i allow them to to lead us through the studies of the doctrines of the Bible, and I, I hope to facilitate that. So, I mean, to answer the question shortly, um, I think it's the best expression of biblical doctrine in a, a logical summary and, and, I would say, exhaustive form. Well, do you have any final thoughts or encouragements concerning some of the topics we've been discussing today, confessionalism, discipleship, or particular Baptist theology. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just important to to remember that when when the guys subscribed to this way back when when our when our spiritual forefathers subscribed to this as well as when they decided to produce the catechism, um, one of the many reasons that they they did it was for the purpose of the person in the pew and and for for discipleship. Um here, here's one thing that it says. The framers wrote this. One thing that greatly prevailed with us to undertake this work was not only to give a full account of ourselves to those Christians that differ from us about the subject of baptism, but also the prophet that might from thence arise unto those that have any account of our labors in their instruction and establishment in the great truths of the gospel in the clear understanding and steady belief of which our comfortable walking of God and fruitfulness before him in all our ways is most nearly concerned. So, I mean, they're, they're literally saying one of the reasons that they, they are publishing it and subscribing to it is, is for the purpose of, of forming disciples. I mean, in terms of the, the catechism, the Bristol Assembly, um, writing to the London Assembly after it had already been decided that that William Collins would edit together a a catechism for for Baptists, they said this of it: they think the London Assembly cannot do anything that will be of more general use than producing a catechism. I mean that that's pretty strong strong words that that they are using there. So I mean. That's the intent of them. It's not just to sit on a shelf. It's not just for the pastor to know, but it's something for the people to know. I, I believe those truths in the confession. I believe they're accessible enough for the person in the pew. Um, and, and I think a pastor would do well to, to seek to teach their people those truths. Um, you can do that in more ways than using my curriculum. You could do what Thomas Watson did with his church and preach through the shorter catechism, but preach through the Baptist catechism. You could teach on the 1689 confession, um, or or you could do that and use a curriculum like mine. It doesn't have to be mine. If you can write a better one, then, then as Augustine said of his work on the Trinity, by all means, write a better one. Um, do better um, than I did. But I mean, if 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 mine is of any use, I, I hope that people use it. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be my main thing. Just if you claim to confess the 1689 um, Baptist confession, if, if you like confessions and stuff like that, 
I, I think you will grow to even have a greater appreciation of them when you're when you're using them when talking with your fellow believers. Um, I've found that I've I've grown in my knowledge and my understanding of of what the confession teaches just by talking with my my brothers in Christ and and seeking the best I can to teach them and and help them walk with God and and it it has already borne fruit in in my congregation um, and and I don't take credit for that because again I, I'll I'll be honest my curriculum is mostly questions so so the the fruitfulness of of what goes into our discussions is is the fruit of the labor of those participating so so the fact that they are actually answering the questions and and participating in things like that has been what has made them them fruitful so my i guess my charge would be use it use use the confession of faith at your church um teach people it um, walk people through it, um, explain things, refer to it. I mean, I refer to it in, in my sermon sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I do. Um, but that would be the main thing that I would say. Well, um, Jimmy, thank you for taking the time to discuss your discipleship curriculum, Confessing Sound Words. We will uh, more than likely be republishing this episode whenever you get closer to uh, finishing it and having it, or your publisher at least has it in the hands of the people. So thank you for taking the time to discuss this uh, important topic. I'm happy to do it. And to our listeners, we want to uh, encourage you to not only study the 1689 and the Baptist Catechism, but uh, we want to encourage you to confess sound words. So to our listeners, we want to wish you grace and peace. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here, and I have the privilege of interviewing my co-host today, Jimmy Johnson. So welcome on, brother. Glad to be here as usual uh, today. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here, and I have the privilege of interviewing my co-host, Jimmy Johnson, today. So welcome to the co-host, or to the 